Rankium. This week, Nicephorus. Hello and welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine Eleven. And this is episode 113, Nicephorus. Ooh. And it's still my birthday. Still your birthday. Yeah, this is... And still Valentine's oh, Day. Yes. Wait, it's Ooh. not, if you're listening. We're going to space no. these apart, but we're recording them back to back. Ooh. Yeah. Sexy. Need out our sexy voices. Yeah. Romans. Mainly because we're, we're about to um, recommend a podcast. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. Uh, let, let's just say Litton Sills, uh, the presenter of Flashpoint History, is... Uh, his voice is... Oh, how would you describe it, Jeremy? It's it's like a silk dragon. <laughs> silk dragon. A silk dragon flying through cigar smoke. Sipping a whiskey. Offering Ooh, you a whiskey. Oh, yeah. We'll just play it. You can hear it for yourself. The podcast is also very good. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Nitin Sill from the Flashpoint History Podcast. The absolutely lovely gentlemen over at Totalis Rankum have graciously allowed me to, well, shamelessly promote my own podcast on theirs. And the way I figured, I'm going to totally take them up on that offer. Now, if you are big into history, which, come on, you gotta be a little if you're here listening to this podcast, which is, after all, a really cool historical ranking system. It's all about the history of the great, and not so great, emperors and U.S. presidents then I invite you to come over and check out my content as well. I'm a big believer in the idea that history is such an awesome field that it just needs to be told. It is, after all, the story of our ancestors who made us who we are. It's the account of noteworthy people who in one way or another reflected or deflected our humanity. And of course, it's all about the triumphs and accomplishments and monuments, and for that matter, all the insanity, idiocy, and stupidity that gives us an idea of what to do and what not to do if we are willing to listen to those lessons from the past. As such, I give a historical narrative in a story-like format, which is mixed in with anecdotes and personal travel experiences. Thus far, I have a series on Attila the Hun and the fall of the Roman Empire, at least the western side, another one on the Punic Wars with the rise of the Roman Republic and the great Hannibal, and right now, I'm doing a story arc that starts with the early Islamic caliphate, carries on to the conquest of Spain, the Reconquista, the Spanish monarchy, and should eventually end with the encounters with both the Aztec and the Inca. That is, if it doesn't kill me in the process to make this. If any of this sounds even remotely interesting, then I encourage you to come by and take a listen when you get a chance. Flashpoint History can be downloaded from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or for that matter, just about any other place you get your podcasts from. And for those of you out there who are also visually stimulated, Flashpoint History also has a YouTube channel where I take my podcast and add maps and images and animations to make the history experience only that much more <laughs> awesome. So definitely check that out as well. In the meantime, I want to give a big thanks to the people at Totalis Rankum for giving me this opportunity. It's time to hand the mic back over to you. Thanks again. I think I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a voice. Oh, what yeah. a voice. His map's also really, really good. Check Is those that... out. Yeah, I really like his, his graphic design work. And who knew that our sound guy had uh, got a brother? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. weird, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> he never mentions it. No, he never does, but there you go. <laughs> So anyway, check out Flashpoint History. It's, uh, it's very good. Very good. Anyway, let's go into today's episode, shall we? Because we're moving the narrative forward today. No. Yeah, we obviously need to skip a little bit, because after Constantine's death, Irene ruled for a bit, and we've already covered that. Yeah. 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 But obviously, we're going to start with Nikephoros' birth. Or Nikephoros. Nikephoros, yeah, as he was also known. Okay, so let's jump in. We know next to nothing on the origins of Nikephoros. Brilliant. Yeah, there is some suggestion that his family actually came from the Ghassanids, however. Or the Ghassanids. The Ghassanids. You have no idea, have you? Nope. <laughs> we have mentioned them before. Uh, <laughs> but this was around Heraclius' episode. So it's Heraclius. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah it was a while ago, but not that long ago. Uh, the Ghassanids were a Christian Arab kingdom that were used, along with the Latinids, um, yeah. as, as a buffer zone for the empire and also by the Persians. So this is back when the empire still had Syria, Judea, and Egypt. Oh, yeah. And there were lots of Arab raids into the empire. So the Ghassanids kind of were a kingdom that lived yeah. right on the edge of the empire... Hmm. Sort of modern-day Saudi Arabia, and they acted as a buffer state, stop some of those raids coming in, like a a, a rubber band, just like a, a rubber seal. <laughs> yes, that's what they were. Tap. Yeah. However, as we saw during the initial Islamic expansion, the Ghassanids were among the first to fall. Mostly, the Ghassanid people stayed within the caliphate. Uh, some converted to Islam, although most did not. As we've seen, conversion wasn't a necessity uh, yeah. whilst Islam was expanding. So most people just stayed as they were. However, there is one story of the Ghassanid king at the time. His name was Jabala ibn al-Ahim. After being defeated, Jabala seemed to convert to Islam, noting that the Arabian heritage of both groups and the similarities in Christianity and Islam meant that everyone could get along, he could convert, his, some of his people convert, everything's fine. Please stop killing me. <laughs> However, after a couple of years, during a pilgrimage to Mecca, Jabala's robe was stepped on by a peasant by mistake. Jabala is said to have punched the man so hard, <laughs> the peasant man lost his eye. Wow. Yeah, not nice. Afterwards, Jabala was summoned to the Caliph Umar to explain himself. Umar ordered that the poor man was to hit Jabala in the same way. Quite literally, an eye for an eye. Yeah. Yeah. Jabala, angered by this, responded, Is my eye like his? Ooh, philosophical. Well, more just, I'm a king and he's a peasant. My eye's worth more than his. Yeah. Yeah. Or philosophical. (laughs) (laughs) Umar was... Also angered by this, and stated that Islam had made all men equal, and declared that the sentence was indeed to be carried out the very next day. My argument, does that mean you're equal to me? Yeah, but Umar hadn't punched someone's eye out, so... Yeah, but we're equal. You shouldn't give me orders. We're equal here. Yeah, I'm guessing Jabala was thinking along those lines, because he then decided Islam's not for him. He'd rather be a Christian king in exile, and then he fled to Constantinople with 30,000 followers, apparently. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you then have this um, ethnic Ghassanid people within the empire uh, who have been there for over 100 years. um, So, yeah. It would appear that Nikephoros' family descended from this group. Mm. There you go. Little, that's that's about all we've got, though. Okay. It's not really about him, but there was an interesting story. So it kills some time. This yeah, going to be short episode. Yeah, I went there. Anyway, <laughs> how are you, by the way? <laughs> I'm all right. Yeah, good week. I've I've still got your your present to me next to me, so I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Anyway, Nikephoros's family were probably a rich and prominent family from one of the themes all within the capital. The historian Burry speculates that Nikephoros had military training at some point as he is later able to lead troops, but that is just speculation, we have no idea. Also, what follows is speculation. He, at some point, got a job as the finance minister for Irene. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Oh! Ah, he's starting to ring a bell, isn't he? Yes, he yes, is. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, now that that's pretty solid, we're fairly certain that's true. Yeah. In that job, he chafed. Dodgy trousers. Dodgy trousers, yeah. Oh, yeah, really bad. So like walking out to do right up there, didn't it? Yeah, he's just had to walk really bow-legged for a week. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. <laughs> Not only that, he was watching as the empire's finances dwindled to nothing due to the payments to the Bulgars, the payments to the caliphates, and also Irene's tax laws. So he just became more and more infuriated that the empire was falling around them. Yeah, he would. Yeah, get the feeling he's a bit of a traditionalist and uh, the empire's being ruled by an idiot boy and his mother. (laughs) Meanwhile, the West has risen again and has a fantastic new emperor who was uh, pulling the West together. Charlemagne. Yeah, where had they gone so wrong? Mm. We speculate like Kefiros thought, whilst (laughs) clicking his abacus. 
And then Irene gets ill. Now, Kephorus got wind that Irene's advisor, Aetius, and his brother, the despised head of the palace guard, were plotting a coup. They were planning to put a wealthy man named Nicetus on the throne. So I'm guessing this is the camel that broke the straw's back. Now, Kephorus didn't want the empire ran by an idiot boy or a woman, but he also didn't want it ran by a eunuch. Aetius pulling the strings behind a puppet emperor. Fair enough. It would appear that Nicephoros decides to take matters into his own hands, therefore, so he slams down his abacus, storms out of his office, <laughs> and marches to the palace. As we covered in Irene's episode, he and some other followers convinced the palace guard that Irene wanted him to become emperor. It's all Irene's decision, honest. Yeah. Because Aetius was planning a coup, so I'm going to become emperor. Is that all right, chaps? Apparently it was all right, because he was believed by the palace guard. Yep. And he was able to organise the guard against their own commander. He then went to the Hagia Sophia and was crowned emperor. Much to the muttering of the crowd, people were not as convinced by the Irene wants this to happen honest lie as the palace guard were. People were a bit suspicious. It's mm. like, well, who are you? Where's the Empress? What's going on? And why are you still carrying an abacus? <laughs> yeah. So, Nikephorus is crowned. The next day, he summons Irene and tells her that if she did not fight back, she could still be Empress. But as an Empress should be, not an Emperor. A kind of know-your-place woman kind of speech. Irene, realising defeat, accepted. Unfortunately, there's nothing she can do. So... The new emperor, realising Irene would always be a running point, had her exiled to Lesbos. No. <laughs> <laughs> where she died soon afterwards. He also had Aetius's puppet, Nicetus, poisoned. Oh. <laughs> which is interesting. Not executed, just discreetly got rid of uh, the potential puppet emperor. I mean, do you know he's poisoned, or is it he got ill and died? Is, it, is there a, It probably doesn't say, but... Do you think there could have been a bit of a, a mystery behind it? Uh, it just says he was poisoned. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe there was a mystery. Maybe this is Theophanes uh, speculating. Or maybe Nikephoros walked up to Nicetus one day, grabbed his face, rammed some poison into his mouth, and then clamped his jaw shut. Yeah. Like in the middle of the Hajj Sophia. <laughs> During a wedding. <laughs> yeah. His, his daughter's wedding. Nicetus drops down dead. Like Kephorus looks at him. Somebody poison him. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows how he dies? <laughs> it's a mystery. Inconclusive. <laughs> we know he died. That's about it. And just like that, the Empire now not only has a new Emperor, but a new dynasty. Ooh. We'll see how the Nikephorus dynasty does, shall we? Is this the only episode? <laughs> There's three. Okay. We'll see how they do. <laughs> oh, we're doing two today, aren't we? <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. The rule did not start too well for Nikephoros. Whilst touring the suburb of Chalcedon, Nikephoros's horse threw him and his foot was crushed. Mm. Yeah, so he starts off bedridden for quite some time. While recovering from this, this injury, Nikephoros received word that the general of the Anatolic theme had just revolted and declared a man named Badanes emperor. Now, Nikephoros knew Badanes, knew him well. It was, in fact, Nikephoros who had sent Badanes over to the Anatolic theme. This is BFF. Not necessarily BFF, but at least a trusted general. Badanes was sent over there to sort the region out and make sure they were loyal. So that's a failure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Badanis <laughs> didn't do that at all. More the opposite. Yeah. Uh, well, Nikephoros realises that they're going to need a good, secure army soon. Because he's got a plan. And that plan involves not paying the caliph any more money. <laughs> now, unfortunately for Nikephoros, Badanis got a taste of power whilst over in the Anatolic theme and figured out that if just anyone could be emperor now, why not him? Yeah. So, we now get a bit of a story about Badanis. I'm going to introduce three more characters, and you're going to have to pay attention to them. Ah, oh, okay, I'll yeah. write them down. You write them down. Right, Badanis has... <laughs> you're looking very eager there. I'm ready. He has on his staff three young men. first is called Leo, the second is called Michael, and the third is called Thomas. These three are promising young men in Badani's staff. and um, Anglicised as well. Definitely. And they are going to go with Badani's to visit a hermit near Antioch. A hermit? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, because this hermit, get this, can predict the future. Of course he can. Of course he can. And Badanis wants to know whether this revolt he's just started is going to pan out for him. Yeah. Now, it doesn't say that this hermit lived up a stick, but I really oh, hope he did. Yes. It does mention... Starlight style. Yeah, it does mention an entrance to his dwelling at one point in the sources, so probably not. But some of the some of the pillars had, like, little living quarters at the top, so maybe maybe it was. I'm putting them up a pillar. We've not had enough starlight, yeah. so... Yeah. Like a treehouse style. Yeah, maybe. Like sheer pillar yeah. with a massive... <laughs> like a wooden <laughs> a villa. <house> on top. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no one said your hermits had to be poor. <laughs> no, no, it's true. Right. <laughs> so people were very good with their donations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, they head off to this pillar near Antioch, or just a hut, whatever it is. And once they're there, Badani's left the three younger men and entered the hermits' living quarters after shimmying up the, the pillar. Yeah, yeah. And there, once he entered, he was told straight. If you continue with your plan, young man, said the hermit, you will lose all you own, including your eyes. Not great. Don't want that. <laughs> Thought but eyes. <laughs> so, a bit despondent, a bit depressed, he left the hut, slash villa on a stick, <laughs> and rejoined the others. However... Once he approached his horse, he heard a noise behind him. The old man had come to the door and called after them. He said that all four should enter the building. And they all great. Oh, I've got to climb up the bloody building. <laughs> I was getting away with this. So, curious for more information, Badanis, Leo, Michael and Thomas all enter, giving each other a leg up. <laughs> the hermit spoke again to Badanis, but whilst doing so, indicating that he was talking about Leo and Michael. About. He did this by saying, I'm talking about Leo and Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Doing big hand gestures right next to them both. Yes. These two. Yeah. Pointing to their faces, <laughs> finger like a <laughs> centimetre from their noses. Yeah. I will quote exactly now. These two men shall possess the empire, but you shall not. As for the third, and then he points at Thomas. Big grin on his face. Yeah. Go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shall merely be proclaimed, but will not prosper and have a bad end. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just picturing Thomas's face just falling. Yeah. Uh. Oh. But Danny's furious at this, stormed out. You just hear him slamming the door. But. I'm. I'm guessing Leo and Michael are, like, fist-pumping, high-fiving each other. Yes! Yeah, and, uh, and Thomas is trying to be really happy. Oh, yeah, oh, no, that's great, yeah. oh, That's great, great. Well, guys. What, what does bad end mean? Yeah. Can I have more details on, How on bad. bad end? Bad as in get a cold or bad as in hook to face? I, I, once, I once had a baguette and I didn't realise, but the end had got, like, damp. And when I got to the end of the baguette, it yeah. was just damp bread. And I was a bit disappointed. Is it a bit like that? Yeah. yeah. It's no. not, is it? No. <laughs> oh, why are you cutting emotions on your throat? <laughs> oh. Right, this story clearly was created sometime later. Because all of this comes true. Of course it does. So you may put a box around Leo, put Ooh. a box around Michael, put a dotty box around Thomas. Oh dear. <laughs> and we will see what happens to these three in the future. Emperor Thomas. <laughs> Just going to clear something up, though. That Michael's going to become Michael too. We're going to have <gasps> another Michael before that Michael. Ooh. Yeah. So Mikey too. Yeah. Right, okay. Back to Nikephoros's story, though, because uh, we've deviated from him for a while now. Well, actually, no, let's stay with Badanis for a while, because let's see what he does. He sets off towards the capital, but soon finds that Nikephoros was far more efficient than he'd given him credit for. I mean, who knew that nipping off to Antioch for a couple of months to chat to an old man up a stick would <laughs> be a bad idea, rather than organising <laughs> your forces. Yeah, weird. So yeah, Nikephoros was waiting in ambush for him en route to the capital, with superior numbers. Then, much to Badani's disgust and dismay, Leo and Michael abandon him and go over to Nikephoros's side. Oh dear. Thomas, however, stayed loyal. Oh dear. <laughs> the failure. <laughs> See, surely at that point, you do exactly what Leo and Michael would do, surely. 
as Thomas. Yes. They're going to be successful. Let's hang around with those guys. Yes, definitely. Maybe Leo and Michael have just been making fun of Thomas the entire journey back. Um... Yeah, making little comments about bad end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I read this book the other yeah. week. It's a terrible ending. Oh, the end was so bad. Torturous almost. <laughs> I could have died. <laughs> but Annie's then wrote to Nikephoros, asked asking to surrender. The writing was on the wall. Nikephoros writes back with assurances that he would not be harmed. If you surrender, Badanis, that's fine. This was witnessed by none other than the patriarch, Tarausius, who we came across in Irene's episode. Yeah, yeah so look, the head bishop guy's witnessing this. It's all legit. Then one night, Badanis snuck away from his camp and was met on the road by a group of men. These men worked for the emperor. Ooh. His head was shaved, and then he was formally monked, and then put on a ship for an island that had a monastery on it. Hey. So this was Nikephoros staying true to his word. Um, we won't harm you. You can sneak away from your army. Just disappear. Uh, no, no harm, no foul. And look, you can still see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> however... <laughs> A few weeks later, a group of men suddenly stormed into Badani's chamber and removed his eyes. Until now. <laughs> yes. Get a good look at that little island you're on. Back in the capital, Nikephoros heard about this, about Badani's eye removal, and was apparently inconsolable. How dare someone go against the word of the emperor? He'd given his word. Yeah. And someone, some rogue's gone off and... Um, Rid him of this troubling priest. These Monk. damn rogues. Yeah. <laughs> Uncontrollable. Now, oh. Theophanes, who <laughs> utterly despises Nikephoros, by the way, like yeah. practically the Antichrist. He killed his beloved Irene, after all. Yeah. yeah. Um, he uses this moment to accuse Nikephoros as being far too effeminate to rule, which is a bit weird considering he loves Irene. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of an irony there. Yeah, and I, you definitely see Theophany struggling with the fact that Irene was a woman a few times. Mm. <laughs> I like what she does, but... She's so womanly. <laughs> yeah, apparently Nikephorus locked himself in his room and wept like a woman for a week. Nice bit of misogyny there. Anyway, more likely this is all on Nikephorus's orders. Yeah. Yeah, let's make sure about this. Let's put him down. Mm. It's around this time... That Nikephoros crowns his son. His son's in his mid-twenties by this point. His name is Starachius, and he is now co-emperor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're boxing him. Good. Right. However, other things were now distracting Nikephoros. The caliph, Harad al-Rashid, was leading an army personally to invade. This is not the little raids we've seen recently. Yeah. This is full-on invasion by the Abbasid Caliphate, which we've not really seen before. No. Obviously, Al-Rashid's got word by this point. Nikephoros does not plan to pay the tribute. And he's going to do something about it. So the Abbasids made it halfway into Anatolia, so modern Turkey, before Nikephoros was able to negotiate with them. He realised he couldn't win militarily, so he makes a deal. And it's not good. He had to agree to continue the tribute, but with an extra large, hefty fine up front. Oh dear. Just imagine him that night just walking up to his abacus and sadly clicking a couple of beads across. <laughs> his plans to restore the finances falling apart. This isn't going as well as I'd hoped. Anyway, with this embarrassment over, Nikephoros then chose a wife for his son. Oh. An Athenian woman named Theophano, who was related to Irene. Yeah, obviously trying to create some legitimacy to the, the new dynasty. That's, yeah. 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 Nice. Now we get this next bit from Theophanes, obviously, um, who is using any excuse to attack Nikephoros. Apparently, Theophano was selected at a bridal show. Nikephoros studied this line of beautiful young maidens and chose for his son who he deemed best. You there, you're related to Irene, a bit of legitimacy for the Empire. Then, according to Theophanes, he then selected two maidens who were the most beautiful in the lineup and um, went to get to know them. Oh. Oh, yeah. Quite well. They filled in a questionnaire, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah, personal information. Oh, good. According to Theophanes, I'll quote here 
Everybody laughed at the dirty old man. I think laughing is jealousy, my friend. <laughs> Probably. Them could do whatever he wants, can't he? Then finally some good news came through, if the threesome wasn't good news. Someone bursting into the room. Good news, Emperor! Better than this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the Caliph was dead. <laughs> Emperor's ears picked up. Actually, that's not no, bad. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I'll take that. I mean, not as good as this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now Emperor. <laughs> this is what being Emperor's all about. This and my abacus. Yeah, it looked like the Caliphate was going to be infighting for a while. So that was good. However, this good news was short-lived because the Bulgars were back. Again. Yeah, and the Slavs were also starting to cause trouble. We'll start with the Slavs, because they've been around for quite a while now, and we never really talk about them, do we? Unlike the Bulgars and the Avars, the Slavs didn't really raid as much, but simply and comparatively peacefully started living in Greece. Mm. So they came down into what we call Greece now and just started living there, not causing much fuss. Now, most of Squatting, the, you could say. Well, yeah, mo- most of the population that considered themselves Roman lived in the Greek cities along the coast. Yeah. So all the land in the middle was relatively empty. Mm. And, um, yeah, so the Slavs just settled down. Don't forget, the plague's still sweeping through every now and again. These regions are depopulated, so it's not a huge deal. Mm. So the emperors recently have just gone, oh, you know what's fine, just let them live there. Which is why when you look at the map, you just see a little bit of red around the edge of Greece at this time. Yeah. And a block of Slavic blue in the middle. Yeah. Blue on my map. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily on all. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's what has been going on with the Slavs. However, during Nikephoros's reign, we start to see some disturbances. Nikephoros started a project of resettlement, pulling people from all over the empire and just pouring them into the Peloponnese in an attempt to try and build up that region because the Slavs had started raiding a town or two and that might become a problem. However, this is definitely a minor problem when compared to the Bulgars (laughs) because the Bulgars are kind of riding a high at this point and also they've got a new king. Oh, yeah, the the car guy's gone. Cardam's. Yeah, Cardam's gone. I mean, that could have been seen as good news. But the new king's very much like the old one, only better. Old. Yeah. His name's Crum. Oh, what a name! Oh, yes. Crum. Crum. (laughs) Crum. What a name to chant. Oh, yes. We know very little about Crum, apart from, obviously, they used to chant Crum. Yeah, he's one of the bigger Bulgar kings in history that we know of. Uh, he recently wiped out the Avars. You know how uh, oh, yeah, you Charlemagne that. kind of really dealt the Avars a, a bit of a death blow? Yeah. So that the Avars that were close to the Frankish Empire really got knocked about. And then those yeah. closer to the Bulgars, Crum went along and wiped them out completely. That's it. They're definitely gone now. The Avars are gone. Crum. Crum. <laughs> Crum. Oh. Where you'll never fly again, sir. <laughs> this is our last flight for us. <laughs> As they jumped off a building and then... Yeah, the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> as far as we can tell, Crum somehow, for the first time, united all the different Bulgar tribes and mm. ruled over them all. He seems to be the first united Bulgar king. So this obviously means the Bulgars are now capable of putting together a larger army than ever before. Oh, crumbs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they've already defeated the Romans quite extensively recently. So, um, that's not great. Nikephoros receives word of this and sets out to attempt to nip this in the bud. We cannot let him consolidate. However, as Nikephoros approached Adrianople, he got wind of a plot to overthrow him, so he rushed back to the capital. He was able to put whatever revolt was down, if it existed. We don't know. He certainly wasn't dethroned shortly afterwards. But that does mean Crom's able to just carry on. So as you can imagine, Nikephoros isn't hugely popular when a few months later the Bulgars attacked a Roman field army. Suddenly, out of the blue, 6,000 men were killed. Hmm. Then they destroyed the garrison at Serdica. This is a real problem. This isn't yeah. raiding. This is... It's an invasion. Yeah, this is an invasion by the Bulgars. A very clever invasion, because it's so bitty and... Those 6,000 men were bitty. <laughs> Molecular. <laughs> News reached the capital of the garrison falling, and Nikephoros' popularity, if there ever really was any, plummeted even more. He should have sorted this out when he had the chance the previous year, people muttered. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nikephorus himself was also not best pleased. So he sets off yet again. This time he will put down this Bulgar army. With speed he marched to the undefended Bulgar capital. So went right into the Bulgar lands, found the capital. Krum and the army were out attacking <coughs> places, so they weren't able to defend the capital. And sure enough, it fell immediately. Nikephoros orders large parts of it to be razed to the ground. Then he heads off to Serdica and had the garrison rebuilt. Although, if we can believe Theophanes here, his own troops rebelled at the orders to rebuild the garrison, and Nikephoros was forced to stand on a table and shout to be heard to try and get them to do what he wanted. Please listen! Yeah, that's Please. Pre- pretty much the impression Theophanes paints. I have an idea! You? No? No? <laughs> yeah. um... I'm not fully convinced by this. I mean, he's just led a successful raid on the Bulgar capital. I'm guessing yeah. the troops are probably behind him by this point. Yeah. But it is believable but that they wouldn't particularly want to be put on building duty. But Yeah. Yeah, they want to go and fight Bulgars, not rebuild garrisons. Killing duty. Yeah. However, according to Theophanes, he manages to convince those upset by saying he would pay them, but once the rebellion cooled down a bit, he had the men beaten and exiled. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. I said I'd pay you, I will pay you with this. <laughs> Whack. Deception. <laughs> Dishonesty. So, he then spends an entire year planning to put an end to Crumb. Project Crumb Death. <laughs> Project Crumble. <laughs> Just imagine him standing there, all eager in front of the blackboard, yeah. with with a cloth over it. Yeah. And then he just reveals the name. <laughs> right, lads. <laughs> Step one, kill Crumb. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Sounds good, sir. We're with you. Every step of the way. Run away! <laughs> I get the feeling this won't be successful. Well, he's got some problems to deal with before Project <laughs> Crumble really takes place. Because, <laughs> because during planning meetings for Project Crumble, uh, a man runs into the palace with a sword and he rushes around the place looking for the Emperor to kill him. Um, the other guys just stand by and watch him run yeah. Runs into one room and says, Ah! It's funny when he runs out, Ah! Guess it's awkward after a while. So. It is the problem. Where is he? It's a big palace. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> you're just running from room to room. You're going to run out of steam eventually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> eventually he just sits down looking a bit sad and he's arrested. Yeah. Yeah. Now, apparently he did actually harm two of the guards oh. in the struggle. Yeah. He, he claimed he was mad. That's why he was doing it. And he was okay. executed. Yeah. It's like if I, because uh, I've taught one diabetes, if, if I ever murdered somebody, I'll claim I had a hypo. Oh, yeah. That's useful. Why are you telling me this? No reason. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to my last episode. <laughs> anyway, back to Project Crumble. He gathered forces from all around the Empire, and then he marched with his son, Storacius. Oh, yeah. And his son-in-law, a man named Michael. Not the Michael from earlier. This is Michael One. But you might want to box this Michael as well. There's a lot of boxing today. Yeah, Storacius box. Michael. There you go. That is the uh, Nikephoros dynasty there. You've now boxed all of them. Uh-oh. Yeah. Is that a dynasty? <laughs> That's probably what people It's him said. and his two sons. <laughs> yeah, him, his son, and his son-in-law. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how they do. Uh, anyway, they set off to fight Krum. Krum. So, first things first, march straight to the land of the Bulgars again. And stare Krum in his face. Krum, upon seeing the sheer numbers of the Romans could do nothing but retreat. Nikephoros has the numbers on his side here. So, Nikephoros follows, determined to kill this thorn in his side. However, Krum was not stupid. He had plenty of experience in battle. So whilst he was retreating, he was also looking around at the land. And this is also his land, so he knows it. One night, as the Romans camped, it suddenly became clear that Krum had separated his troops. The Romans realised this because they started hearing banging. Right. Yeah. Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, kind of banging that's made when someone's hastily erecting uh, wooden barricades. Yeah, yeah. What, what are they building? Where, where did we camp again? Uh. In a valley. Yeah. With, with two exits. Oh. And we can hear bang from over there and uh, over there. And there's a lot of, lot of lights just above us at the top of the valley. Just... Oh dear. <laughs> we seem to be in a trap, sir. <laughs> yeah. The sun rose and revealed 
sure enough, wooden barricades stopping up the entrances to the valley that they were in. So this is how efficient IKEA is. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You can buy a flat pack, it's up within an hour. Yeah. Now, Kephros looked on in horror and is said to have uttered, even if we were to grow wings, no one could escape ruin. They need the Avars. But even then, he's saying the Avars would not have survived <laughs> yeah, this. Because they can't fly. <laughs> yes. Wings or not, they can't fly. So, the sun rises. The sun rises some more. The Romans await the attack, but they have no chance of defending. Oh, dear. And waited. And waited. Night fell. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't like the dark. <laughs> A very restless night was spent, awaiting their doom. And then the sun rose, and the attack failed to start. <laughs> Another tense day was spent waiting. That's brilliant, though. And waiting. You just imagine. They can just hear, just on the edge of their hearing. Not really loud, just like, are they chanting crumb? I can't tell, is that the wind? Yeah. I'm sure crumb. they're chanting crumb. <laughs> it was after two solid days of waiting for their deaths that Crumb and the Bulgars came streaming down from different directions. The massacre lasted throughout the night. <laughs> massacre. And into the next day. <laughs> According to Theophanes, it was Crumb himself who cut off Nikephros's head. Oh, so he died then. Oh, yes. <laughs> if this is true, presumably Nikephoros was captured and Crom executed him yeah. rather than in battle. But who knows? No, there's no chance. But let's just say it could have happened that Crom yeah. beheads the Roman emperor in battle. <laughs> Only a few managed to escape. They, they fled being pursued and most were pushed into the river by the Bulgar cavalry and drowned. Out of those that drowned, there were some who managed to escape even that. And one of those was one important survivor. Michael. Leo. Starachius. Oh, Starachius. Yeah. Yes, like Kephros's son. Look at him there, fleeing the battle. You picturing him? The coward. Well, not really. He's on the back of a horse, because it's quite hard to ride when you've got a massive sword wound in your neck. Oh. Yeah, he's just sort of slumped on the back of a horse with a different rider. Wait. <laughs> How short is the next episode? It's not a long episode. <laughs> but we'll get into that next episode, because we're not actually finished with Nikephros yet. Okay. Yes. Crom is said to have skinned Nikephros's head, mm. had it boiled so it was just the bones, and then coated the skull in silver. He then used it as a drinking cup when he was negotiating with other enemies. Oh, that's, a, that's a message. <laughs> that is a message, isn't it? <laughs> Would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> clunk, clunk. <laughs> um. There's the Roman Emperor. Here's the cup from the last man. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Said no to me. Yeah, so there you go. Nikephros is dead. Let's rate him. Fightius Maximus. Let's face it, not great. He failed to fight the Caliphate. And then he had to retreat from the Bulgars to begin with because he feared a coup was about to start. And uh, then when he finally did go and fight the Bulgars, yes, he did sack their capital, but then he lost terribly. Terribly, terribly. Terribly, terribly. Yeah, he died in battle. Not many emperors have died in battle. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, we've got, we've got Julian. Yeah, but he deserved it. Yeah, I mean, idiot. come on. It's not great. What an idiot. Yeah, we, we had a couple in the crisis. Um, it's not great. And that's it. That's all we've got. One. <laughs> yeah, one for, for the Bulgar capital. Yeah, is that, I'm guessing that's between us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm going to give him one for the Bulgar capital. No, I'm not. Yeah, no, I am. Go on. You can have one from me. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's total of two. Two. Approvium crazy. Not much. Yet again. Um, <laughs> the stories from Theophanes are almost certainly not true. Yeah. Like the one about the bridal show. Uh, they're clearly just made up to make him seem bad. Yeah. Uh, there is another story, though. He met a candlestick maker, apparently, who was doing very well for himself. Right. Yeah, he'd, uh, his business was going well. Nikephros stopped and asked how much gold the candlestick maker had managed to make. The candlestick maker didn't really want to answer this. It was, it was like, well, my business is going well, thank you for asking, Emperor. I make candlesticks, not gold, sir. 
However, Nikephros kept pushing it to, uh, until eventually the man admitted that he had made a hundred pounds of gold. Nikephros is said to have told the man that he didn't need that much, and I'll quote, What need do you have of such distraction? Have breakfast with me. Take away one hundred nemister, which apparently is one seventieth of the worth that Nikephros just confiscated from him. Ah. Yeah. I'm sure the council maker really appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. But again, probably completely made up by Theophanes. Yeah, sure. yeah. We've only got one source for him and he hates him. <laughs> so it's really hard to get a gauge. Yeah. Um, mm. And that's it. And that's all we've got. Uh, I, can't, I think I can give him anything. That's not true. I mean, it's, it's, like, he's not even good true. It's just not even good fake. It's just not. I, I'm going to give him two points just because uh, there's a couple of stories, but I don't believe them to be true. So I, I'm I not, can't. I'm giving him nothing. I just feel slightly sorry for him. So it's like. Okay, give him nothing. That's fine. Two for a problem grazing. Success ultimate. Okay. Considering Theophanes hated him so much, he wasn't actually that bad. He just also wasn't great. No. Yeah. Um, although we do get a bit of detail here. Because Theophanes lists ten evils that he did, but these actually turn out to just be ten laws he passed. Oh. Yeah, so we actually have a bit of detail, amazingly. So I'll quickly go through his ten laws, shall I? Number one, he forced people to move to Greece. Like everyone. <laughs> everyone, come on, we're all <laughs> off. Well, if you remember, uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, he was trying to repopulate the, the Peloponnese to try yes. and make it more stable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Theophanes hated this because people were being forced to move, but in Nikephros' defence... Uh, the the region needed to be more stable. Do you think it would have enforced some more sort of like, hey, you can go there, those great, great, great beaches? Yeah, it, it's hard to, to gauge, really. Mm. Probably it was more incentive, because there's only so much you can force someone to move. That's a sore point, yeah. then you just get a lot of angry people. Yeah, but Theophanes certainly gives the impression that this is yeah. forced mo- removals. It's like, yeah. it's like when you say, you know, when, when like, UI says, oh, maybe you, should, maybe you should pick up your socks from the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah. At night. It's like, forcing me to do this. Yeah. That sort of thing, yeah. Okay, number two. He charged towns and villages to pay for the equipment of soldiers that came from that village. Ooh. So what this meant is the poor could now sign up for the army because you didn't need to provide for your own things. The people in your village would pull together and provide it for you. We've got poor villages. Then you get a wooden sword (laughs) and a cloth shield. (laughs) Again, this is the problem Theophanes has with this. It's forcing people to pay for things. Um, But the empire needs an army at this point, Mm. quite desperately. It's not not a stupid decision, I think. Because even in um, like Britain in the medieval times, you'd, you'd have to, as a knight or a soldier, you'd have to buy your own equipment. Oh, of course, yeah, and we've and seen this before. Yeah, so it's expensive. Yeah, it's, it's not, it doesn't seem a terrible law, but I could see why people would be unhappy with it. Okay, number three, he resurveyed everyone's property. So he, he had a massive census to figure out what people owned. To tax them properly. To tax them properly. But, now this is, this is the kicker here, though. Who's <laughs> honest. <laughs> no, it's not that. Obviously, conducting a massive survey like this costs a lot of time and money. So he charged everyone for it. Oh. Yeah, he, he put out a one-off tax to pay for the census so he could tax people. You can see why people didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Someone had to join. The, oh, was it the... Um, G, what's that teaching thing we had to be in? Well, first started teaching. Oh, General yeah. Teaching Council, GTC. Oh, I've forgotten about that. He yeah. had to pay to be in it. Yeah. I refused. I never paid a penny on that. Oh, wow, didn't you? I got letters and stuff. <laughs> and they, they rang my head teacher saying he needs to pay, and I didn't. But they shut down by then, so it was fine. Nice. Yeah. Wow, didn't you? You win. Uh, but the thing is, that you, like, we, had to, we had to pay for something that would just then sue you for not doing your job, and they didn't do anything other than just make you feel bad. Yeah, yeah. A bit like this. <laughs> yes. So you feel their pain. Yeah. Yeah. I can completely relate. Good. Number four. He stopped Irene's tax reductions. He's obviously thinking bigger picture here. He is thinking bigger picture. But again, there's a kicker here. He also ordered that the money saved needed to be returned. So if you'd had a tax break recently, you had to get that money back to the emperor. But I just bought a farm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Number five, he introduced new taxes on top of this. Number six, anyone who suddenly got rich were investigated. (laughs) If they had found treasure, it was taxed. Number seven, anyone who found a wine jug full of treasure within the last 20 years were to be taxed. That one's bizarrely specific, which makes me think Nikephros was out one day and someone went, oh, look, it's a wine jug full of gold. Uh, 
that needs to be taxed. Yeah. New, new law. <laughs> <laughs> or the excuse people are made. They're suddenly rich. I uh, found it in a wine jug like 19 years ago. Yeah, exactly. You can't tax me for that. Well, actually. <laughs> actually, I can. <laughs> yeah, he started up um, an inheritance tax. That's number eight. Number nine, he reorganised the sailors as a thematic group with land. That could be taxed. Can you see a theme here? <laughs> yeah, there is a general taxing theme, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then finally, shipwrights in the capital were forced to loan from the government. So they, if you were building ships for the empire, you had to get the money from the government. And then subsequently be taxed. Yeah, and also the interest rate rates oh, were, of course, were yeah. quite high. Yeah. It could be said that he made the empire somewhat richer. <laughs> That's a plus. But you can imagine his uh, popularity was just nothing. Yeah. But if the Empire's in quite a weak state, because after Irene it would have been, the Empire needs money. Yeah, yeah, you can see. Uh, he's he's worked as the, the treasurer for a long time. He understands. <laughs> yeah, he understands the Empire needs money, but yeah. he just seems to have gone a, a bit bit overboard, perhaps, with it. Um, there is something else, though. He sets in motion what becomes known as the Pax Nikephory. Or Nikephari. Now, we won't go into the nitty-gritty details of this here, but as you can imagine, the rise of Charlemagne's empire was resulting in a bit of border friction in Europe, namely the north of Italy and down into the Dalmatian coast. So, for example, Venice. Pretty much an independent city-state by this point, mm. as I've mentioned. Yes. Yeah. However, they have been paying lip service to the empire. It's like, yeah, right. we're independent, but yeah, obviously you're in charge, whatever. Yeah, but, well, well, it's well. Like, but we're independent. Yeah. It's pretty much been their attitude until very recently when they thought, actually, I think it might be the Franks we need to start sucking up to once in a while. Ooh. We're independent, <laughs> Franks. But, Bonjour. Yeah. <laughs> So, the Empire was not pleased by this, as you can imagine, and some localised fighting broke out in the region. Now, Nikephros starts in motion some talks with Charlemagne. However, he then dies before they come to a conclusion. Yeah. 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 But they are concluded, and the piece that comes with it is named after him because he started it. So, he's got a toe in with that. Yeah. So, there you go. That's, um, That's his success as Ultimus. He did a lot of taxing, and he started a peace programme with Charlemagne. I think from a person point of view, very negative. Yeah. But from an empire building point of view, in terms of investing, literally, positive. Okay. I'm guessing like, the amount of money the empire crews could be a benefit unless it's wasted, but that's not his fault. Yeah. You can kind of see what he was trying to do. Yeah, 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 definitely. So... Go too high, though. Um, five? I'm no, going to go for four. four. Yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I thought that. Okay, then. Eight. Image of Again, we don't have a coin. Again, it's exciting. This time, we're going even slightly further into the future this time. This is the... (laughs) 1994. (laughs) This is the Manassas Chronicle in the 12th century. Uh, But there is a depiction of him. And again, I think the the rule I'm going to go for is if it was created before the fall of the Empire, it can count (laughs) as an image. So 12th century, that's, that's... Like dark ages time, so it's gonna be very of that style, isn't it? Rather than actual. Well, let's have a look. Here he is. Where is he? I can't really tell. He's that blob. Well, that weird pinky blob in the middle of the yellow. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's deteriorated slightly, but I'm just really glad it's not a coin. He's got a lovely red hat on. He's only got one eye. I'm guessing the other one's faded away, and that looks like a, a blonde beard. We're getting color, color, oh, Jamie. Yeah. yeah. He's got a big blonde beard. To be fair, though, it may have been brown but faded. Yeah, okay. Brown or blonde beard. Mm. Yeah, he's got a nice pointy hat. Blue robes. Blue robes. It's not a coin. I'm happy. Yeah. It's, it's not great, though. Um, so I'm going to go for six. You're not as impressed, are you? No. Um, I'm going to go for th- th- four. 2.5 for Image Ophacia. Temple completed. So how long does he last, do you think? Longer than I expect. So I was ex- like, hearing this story, I think, like, months. We are really in bottom of the barrel in terms of sources. Eighty-seven there. years. <laughs> no, five years, six years, seven years. Eight oh two to eight eleven. Nine, nine years. years. Yeah, nine okay. years. It's actually a fairly decent length of reign. You'll be pleased to know we're really we are about to hit a time which is properly sourced. Yay! And then in about six months we're going to hit a period of time which has a level of sources that we've not seen since 
Demission. Nice. Yeah, so, yeah, we're going to get some good detail soon. So, his total score is 15.63. It's not good. He, he actually is not as good as Constantine Six apparently, which he will hate. Hmm. Uh, but he didn't really do much crazy, and let's face it, his fighting was awful, and... Uh, don't die in battle. That's no. all I can say. No, no. I mean, it's a cool way to go out. If we were, if we were uh, scoring deaths, I'd be quite impressed by that. Yeah. He'd rack up yeah. points there. I don't know. Maybe he deserves more points for Fidius Maximus because no. he died in a battle. No. Okay, fair enough. That's not fighting, that's dying. <laughs> but the question obviously is... Do they have a certain Genesisar? Oh, no. 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 Okay, right. That's <laughs> this week then. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to this one, but stay tuned, because we're going to do his son today as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can still picture him on... On that horse. On that horse. Bleeding from the artery. Blood just spurting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can't wait. Yeah. Okay. Um, Please rate us on iTunes if you can. Visit us on Facebook and uh, Twitter. Send us messages, comments. We like that. Do all of that stuff. And um, listen to Flashpoint History, a fantastic podcast. Yep. By a man with a fantastic voice. Yeah. Great. Okay, all that needs to be said then is. Crumb. 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 <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. the time timothy now is the end cyril it's been marvelous it has been timothy but it's time to hang up the wings it's been a good 400 years we had some good times we had some bad remember when we sieged constantinople oh oh how we sieged but alas (gasps) it is time for one final flight timothy these wings are getting very heavy i know i know it's getting dark Strap into the catapult. I'm in. Yep, yep, so am I. Seatbelt? I'm not putting my seatbelt on this time. I want to fly into the sun. Well, after what happened five minutes ago with Gerald, I'm inclined to agree with you. Let's forego the seatbelt this time. Where are you going to fly to? Into the sun. Marvellous. How about you? Heard the south of Spain's quite nice. Thought I might try my luck there. I hear they do some delicious Rioja there, so... Okay, so well, here we go. Hold my hand. I'm holding. Let's go. Let's go. I'm, I'm flying, so I'm flying. I'm flying. This is absolutely... Oh, I... It appears I didn't set off my catapult. Oh, oh dear. Uh, uh, let's just get... Uh, hmm... Now what? Oh, Crumb? Crumb here? Do you need a supervisor for your airborne division?